Good morning. I'm really excited to teach on this passage. Uh, it's a short one, and there, we could really go on on to the rest of the book of James, but I want to camp on these first two verses, 13 and 14 this morning, for a special reason. They are favorite verses of mine uh, because they describe the reality of my life, my emotions, and circumstances. And they counsel me on how to handle my emotions and circumstances. They tell me what to do in the ups and downs, the ins and outs of life. And I think many people miss the blessings of the counsel that is found in these two verses because they consider it too simplistic and they're looking for something more, more profound than what is here. But here in these two verses, here in these two little verses, is a recipe for living. Um, it is the medicine you need for your soul. Uh, if you need to know how to get through the drama of your life, here it is. It's right here. You pray when you are in trouble, and you sing praises when you are cheerful. If you are in any kind of suffering, Prayer is God's prescription for your heart. Call out to the Lord in your affliction and trouble. But if you are happy, then God's prescription for you is to let loose and sing praises to God. Dance before Him. Shout. Clap your hands. Someone paraphrased verse 13 like this. If anyone is in trouble, he should pray. If anyone is not in trouble... He should sing praise. I mean, that pretty much covers all of life. I mean, you're either in trouble or not in trouble. You're either suffering or you're cheerful in cheerful circumstances. And then verse 14 adds, if any of you are sick, in other words, if any of you are overwhelmed with the most serious issues of life, your health, your physical health, you should call for the elders of the church to pray for you. Now, the first thing that, that just jumps out at me or actually kind of screams at me from these verses is the reality that we all go through a great variety of changing circumstances and emotions. We experience suffering and being cheerful. Life is not either just all cheer or all suffering. And some people kind of try to move into one or the other. But life is a mixture. Life is a God-ordained mixture of both. And I don't know about you, but, but the range of emotions that I can experience sometimes in one day sometimes scares me. And certainly when I look back, and I've often said this to my wife, Cindy, at the end of a week, I look back over a week, and I think, you know, the, the range of different emotions that, have, that, I, that I have gone through in one week, it's absolutely frightening. And sometimes just the change in circumstances that we go through in one day or one week can absolutely be shocking. Our suffering ranges from just the small irritations of life to what we feel is unbearable pain. Our, our joy, our cheerfulness ranges from just a quiet sense of well-being 
to joy that we just feel like we can't contain. We, we feel like we've got to jump and shout. There are just all ranges of suffering and all ranges of joy. And if you really want to get an education on the full range of your emotions, and I, I think if you really want to read the best psychology book in the world, it's found in the book of Psalms. And you will find tears and sorrows and feelings of despair, but you will also find dancing and clapping and shouting for joy. There are times that the psalmist is down in the pit. There are times when he is flooding his bed with his own tears. And there are times like the psalmist where we are in what he describes as that broad place of abundance. You know, the Lord brings us out into this broad place of abundance. Just, I don't know what that means, but that description is just so beautiful. We just, you just feel like, yeah, God has brought me out into this place of abundance. There's times where, where all we can say is, my cup runneth over. Life has suffering and blessing. It ha- there's suffering and there is cheerfulness or happiness. And I just want to ask you, start out this morning by asking, have you, have you ever accepted that reality about life? And sometimes you know, it's, just, it's just, just hard to accept that life is a drama. You know, we just, we just wish we could control everything. But life is a drama. There's ups and downs. There's suffering and cheerfulness. When you are suffering, when there's stuff that's going on inside of you that just is painful and it hurts, do you know what? Very soon, you may be cheerful again. Very cheerful. You know, David said, weeping may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And it's just such a turnaround. It's also true that when you are cheerful, some kind of suffering or trouble may be just ahead. David said, O Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand strong. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. He's just describing this situation that, you know, God, I felt you made me strong. I felt like a mountain standing strong. I felt so blessed. In my, in my prosperity, I, I felt so blessed. I felt like this, this, I felt strong like a mountain. And he says, but then things fell apart and he felt as if the Lord had hid his face. So based on just this simple principle from, uh, from James 5.13, I am absolutely sure that not every one of us here this morning is in the same state of mind or in the same state of heart. Some here may be suffering in some way. Uh, you may be facing some great need or some gigantic unresolved problem or you're just in some kind of pain. Maybe, maybe you can't even describe it as just a pain in your soul or pain of the heart. Cindy and I spent a year, and it's been a long time ago, but basically a full year back in 1983 when she was battling cancer. And almost for that whole year, we were in what I would call a suffering season or a suffering mode. And we've had a few other seasons in life like that, but that one particularly was intense for over a year period of time. But, you know, it was interesting, 
uh, we, we definitely could feel that we were in a suffering mode, but you know, we could look around us and we could see that not everybody was in that mode. Other people were lighthearted. Uh, other people were you know, having a good time. Other people were obviously blessed and enjoying life, but, but that was not, not our experience for that season. And at times, uh, coming to church, and we almost never missed church during that time. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. You know, so you go through a, go through a surgery. You had five surgeries that year. And it, it, almost invariably, it seemed like within a few days or the next, we'd be at, we'd be at church. We'd find a way to be at church because that, that, was, that was our life, lifeline. But it, sometimes at coming to church, we felt like we were coming from, the, from a bloody battlefield where we had just been beaten up. And it seemed to us almost like others were coming from a party. And we didn't resent that. We did not resent that. But it was just so obvious to us, us that life was so different. Uh, our life was so different from others uh, at that time and for that season. Uh, for some of you here this morning, uh, things are probably going quite well. Uh, you may have some just irritating trials, but overall you're in a season of blessing and, and prosperity, a season of happiness. And in, in your soul, you're, just, you're basically cheerful. I mean, maybe you're not just jumping up and down out, out of your chair, but basically in your heart, you're, you could say that you're cheerful. And while we're not going to get all the way into this, the, this passage like we'd like to, I'm going to have to wait till next week for this, but some here may be sick. Something may be wrong in your own body. And this is perhaps the most difficult kind of trouble or suffering. It's interesting that Satan knew that in his dealings with Job. Satan basically said, you know, Job can handle ordinary affliction and suffering, but strike his flesh and bones and he will curse you to your face. And then the next verse says, so Satan went out and afflicted Job with painful sores from the bottom of his soles to the top of his head. Uh, Satan knew that. And sickness, it just, this is an illustration of how, how physical suffering can be the, the, the hardest, the most difficult to deal with. Well, whatever your condition, whatever your condition, whatever the condition of your heart and your life this morning, God speaks to you. God has a message for you this morning through James. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? He should sing praises. Is any one of you sick? He should call for the elders of the church to pray over him. In other words, get, you're, you're in a situation that overwhelms you. Get other people praying for you in that kind of desperate situation. Now, to me, one of the, ver- the, the main points that I want you to get from these verses, and I, it, to me it's, it's quite obvious, uh, but I, I really want you to hear this. These verses and what we've just read, what we've just talked about, this means that you are to take everything, and I mean everything, you experience to God. You are to go to God when things are going wrong, and you are to go to God when things are going great. You are to draw near to God when you are at your lowest and when you are at your highest high. All of life, 
God's intention is that all of life, every moment, every day, is to be experienced with Him. And that's what it means to walk with God. You walk with God through your suffering, through your happiness and your cheer, cheerfulness. You live your life with God. There is to be prayer or praise without ceasing as you go through the drama of your life. There is to be no wall between your life and God. There is to be no wall between your experience of life and your experience of God. No mood or emotion or circumstance should separate you from not only the love of God, but from turning to God and from communion with God. You are to come to God in joy and in sorrow, in elation and in despair, in hope and in fear, in peace and in conflict. In every emotion of your life, you are to walk through that with God. In every circumstance, in every emotion of your life, you are to walk through it with God and in the presence of God. You are to turn to God when you are in trouble. You are to turn to God when you are happy. You are to turn to God when you are sick. You know, I was thinking of an, of an example of this. I don't know why this came to mind, but it seemed like such, such a, a, a perfect example of this. You know, a person, a, a person who turns uh, to alcohol or a person who looks to alcohol as the basic solution to life will turn to drinking in joy and in sorrow. He, if he is in trouble, if he or she is in trouble, he will drink to drown his sorrows. If he or she is happy, he will celebrate it by drinking. No matter what the circumstances or the emotion, he sees drinking as the thing to do. And James tells us, if we see God as the Savior and solution to life, then we see going to God as the thing to do in every emotion, in every circumstance of life. When we are in trouble, we will turn to God in prayer, and if we are if we are happy, we will celebrate with praise. Now, I'd like to to just focus in or zero in a little bit on just the experience first of suffering or being in trouble, and, and then we'll focus in a little bit on on the experience of being cheerful. Uh, in the NIV, is is anyone of you in trouble? He should pray. Or if anyone is, in, if, is any, if anyone is suffering or in affliction, he should pray. We've already said it, but I, I want to drive it home for you this morning. Your primary response to trouble is to pray. Prayer is the way to obtain deliverance from your affliction and suffering, and it is the way to endure your affliction in peace and in comfort until it is removed. The word translated trouble in the NIV is translated suffering uh, or affliction or suffering hardship in other translations. It is, a, it is a, an all-inclusive word that means trouble of any kind or suffering of any kind. It includes all types of problems, emotional, physical, financial. 
It's just, if you want to know what, really what, what it is, it's the opposite of being cheerful. Okay? Because he's contrasting these two things. So it's, it's any time or anything that you're going through that you're not cheerful. It would apply to all outward troubles and also to inward troubles or suffering. And, and there, there is a difference, and I don't know if it's helpful, helpful, helpful for you to think about it or not, but there, there's, there's, there's outward circumstance troubles and then there's just troubles that, that go on within your own mind and soul and heart. And often they're related and, and connected. Uh, you know, thought of, th- thought of an example. Uh, two times in my life, uh, I, have, I have backed my car out of my garage. Uh, well, actually, I've backed my car out of my, my garage probably millions of times, but two times in my life I have backed my car out of my garage without opening the garage door. And that's outward trouble. It, it, it damages your garage door. I had to replace the garage door twice. And so that's, that's an outward kind of suffering, a small one, but it's an outward circumstantial kind of problem or suffering. But then comes the inward struggles, the inward either anger at yourself or just anger at life or frustration or maybe perhaps it just hits you at a time where it's very discouraging to you. There's an inner kind of suffering that often goes along. So there's outward things that happen, outward circumstances, and then, then inward suffering. And what do you do in both these small kinds of suffering, whether they're inward or outward, and what do you do in really major times of suffering. You pray. You talk it over with God. When you get into conflict with your wife or have difficulty with your children or your car breaks down or someone says something mean to you or about you, you pray. You go to God. You depend on God. You ask God to keep you from sinning. You ask for help. You ask God to do what seems impossible to do. You ask God to encourage you. When things go wrong, when life hurts, you go to God who will comfort you in all your affliction. He alone will satisfy you with his loving kindness in the darkest night. There's a place in Psalms where, I believe it's in Psalms, where it says he gives songs in the night. Uh, In the the darkest hours of your life, when you turn to God, he can give you a song in in the night, He alone will satisfy your heart with the with the with the mer- loving kindness and the mercy and the comfort that your soul needs when you are in trouble. You go to God as your friend, as your comforter, your help, your rock, your fortress, your strength, and your shield. David said, "Out of the depths I have cried to Thee, O Lord." Um, I used to have a plaque that had this picture, it was kind of a sketch, sketch art, it wasn't actually a photograph, but it had these waves, these big rolling waves of the sea. And in this, in this plaque, uh, out, of, out of these waves, just all you see is just an arm reaching up, a hand reaching up out of the waves. And has, it had this verse from Psalms in it, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. And that's sometimes just how you, how you feel. You feel like you're sinking. And uh, what do you do in those times? 
There's lots of options, I know, lots of options. But the Bible says, pray. You pray. Sometimes it's the hardest thing for you to do. You want to complain, you want to do a lot of other things, but the Bible says, you pray. And it's not just a good idea to pray in trouble. This, is, this isn't just like, hey, you might try this as like one out of many alternatives when you're in trouble. No, it is, it is, it is, the, it is the right, it is the righteous thing to do. The New American Standard says, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must pray. Then he must pray. This is the one absolute for a child of God who is in any kind of suffering. You must go to God. You should go to God. And again, you can turn to lots of other things, can't you? Can't you? You can turn to self-pity. You can turn to grumbling. You can turn to despair. Uh, You can uh, run around telling every person who will listen how bad you have it. You can try to drown out your pain by overeating or by turning on the TV or perhaps by cursing or blowing up or yelling at your wife or kids. James says, you should pray. Psalm 62.8 says to pour out your heart before him at all times. You know, we, we can certainly share our problems with others. But if that becomes a substitute for pouring out our hearts before God or pouring out our hearts to God over the things that we are suffering, it will, it will keep you from knowing and experiencing God in the midst of your affliction. You know, the, Paul talks about how God comforts us in all of our affliction. But if you don't turn to God, if you don't really turn to God as your Savior and solution and help in your affliction, you will not know or experience Him in that way. You know, there's a vast difference in people who, who just tell other people their problems, who just complain, and those who pray when, they're, when they're, they are in trouble. It is only when you pray that you get to know God as your helper and your rock and your salvation and the defense of your life. So what do I pray when I am in trouble? All right, we've said pray, right? You pray. What, what do I pray when I am in trouble? Well, this is not a complete list. It's not exhaustive. I'm sure somebody could poke holes in this. I'm sure people could think of other things. But this is, these are the things that came to my mind. Number one, describe your condition to the Lord, including exactly how you feel. You see this all throughout the Psalms. Psalm 102.7 I lie awake, I am, as a, I am as lonely as a solitary bird on a rooftop. Sometimes it just helps, helps to tell God just exactly how you feel. I, I am as lonely as a solitary bird on a rooftop. Another place, David says, Troubles without number surround me, or all my enemies whisper against me. My close friend whom I trusted has lifted up his heel against me. You tell God those kinds of things. You tell Him your condition. You describe it. You tell Him exactly how you feel. And number two, very much related to this, actually overlapping, you bring your needs 
to Him. You lay out your needs before God. Tell Him all that you feel is threatening you or hurting you or troubling you. In Isaiah 37, King Hezekiah received... And if, you know, if, anybody, if, you, if anybody is in trouble or has ever experienced trouble, man, turn, to, turn to Isaiah 37 and read that chapter. King Hezekiah received a letter, a letter threatening him and his people with complete destruction. And the letter taunted him, saying, Do not let the God you depend on deceive you. We have destroyed all the other nations. Do you think your God will deliver you? And then verse 14 says, King Hezekiah received the letter and read it. Listen to this. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and he spread it out before the Lord. He took, the, he took this actual... It wasn't just a mean letter. I mean, this was the letter that was threatening him with destruction. It wasn't just a bad email. I mean, this was a letter that threatened him with annihilation. And so he took the letter physically... And he spread it out before the Lord. It's like he opened the letter and he, and he, he took it and he opened it up and he said, God, read this. And that's really what he did. The next verse says, he said, Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes and see. Listen to all the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. It's just such a beautiful example of just spreading out your problems, your trouble, your suffering, just spreading it out before the living God. And how often I have been in trouble in, in so many different areas of life, and I've been, I've been reminded of the, this terrifying trouble that Hezekiah was facing and how he spread it out to the Lord. And that phrase of just spreading it out to the Lord has, has always encouraged me and helped me to just go to God in prayer with my needs. You know, the Roman centurion, if you know uh, the scriptures, you know that uh, the Roman centurion was greatly commended by Jesus for his great faith. Jesus said, I've never seen, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. But you know what? You know how he started? He simply came to Jesus and said, this, this, is what he, this, is, this is how he approached Jesus. He said, Jesus, or Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering, period. You know, prayer is sometimes just, just telling God what's going on. And, and I, think, I think the Lord sees the faith in that, when you come to him and you just lay that out. And he was commended because of his comment on authority later on. I, I realize that. But here's this man who had this great faith, and all he did is just say, Lord, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering, period. And then the next verse is even more astonishing. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Amen? Man, it's beautiful. Sometimes prayer is nothing more than just telling him your condition, spreading out your issues before God. Number three, tell him what you want him to do. The blind man Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus from the side of the road. Jesus stopped and he said to him, Bartimaeus, 
What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I mean, the like Jesus wanted him to tell him, tell him what he wanted him to do. And I think, I really believe that the Lord, the Lord says that to you and me in many situations in life. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus said in John 15, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. There's that astonishing statement again. Ask whatever you wish or ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. And I I realize that condition of remaining in Him and His Word is really important. Uh, But but again, there's that ask ask whatever you wish. And I really believe that as new men and women in Christ, men and women who abide in Christ and in His Word, uh, Jesus says to us, ask whatever you wish. And so I, I would ask you this morning, in... If you are in trouble, if you're in affliction, or even if you're not, what is it that you want God to do for you this morning? That's something to meditate on and think about that. And often, sometimes before a season of, of prayer, just think, okay, what, what do I really want God to do? Uh, I used to keep a, a book, of, I wrote down all my prayer, prayer requests, for, for did it for years, and then I'd, I'd write down what I prayed for, and then write down the answer when it came. And... One of the things that really helped me to do was to think, what am I really asking God to do? You know, what do I really want God to do? Uh, what is it that you want God to do in your life? What is it you want God to do through you? What is it you want God to do through this church? Pray. Pray for what you want. Uh, John Rice wrote a, wrote a great book many, many years ago called Asking and Receiving. And he said... the. The Christian's way of getting things is to ask. And his quote said, The outside unbelieving world expects to get things by work or by planning or by scheming or by accident, but God's children are taught that they are to get things by asking. And the reason we do not have is that we do not ask. Uh, What a a fantastic quote. And this very passage, which we can't get into all of this morning, but further on we're just going to see that the, the emphasis of James is that prayer accomplishes much. We're going we're to see in the rest of the passage, which we won't really get to this morning, that people get healed through the prayer of faith. Rain, through, the, through fervent or uh, prayer, rain stops and starts. Things like that can come about through, through prayer. So ask Ask God what you tell Him, what you want Him to do. Number four, ask Him to ask Him to deliver you. It's it is only natural to cry out to God to deliver you in suffering or affliction or in trouble. There 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 is a sense that you that you want you want to be delivered. In Isaiah forty four is a a passage that talks about a heathen person an idolater, a man who will take a log of wood and he will use part of that log to roast his supper and then he will take the rest of that log and he will carve it into an idol. And Isaiah 44, 17 says, he falls down before it. He carves this idol and it says, he falls down before it. He also prays to it and says, deliver me, you are my God. The problem is not asking for deliverance from your affliction. 
but in looking to someone or something else other than God for your salvation in a situation. You know, prayer is turning to the living God and saying, you are my God, deliver me. Say to my soul, you are my salvation. And I, I realize, we're going to talk a little bit about, I realize not that, that we don't always see immediate deliverance from everything, but, but, but this is really important to, to, to get and to, to not just skip over. God is pleased when we call upon Him to deliver us in trouble. The theme of Psalm 107, which I highly recommend, is that the Lord delivers men from manifold troubles. It describes men who were prisoners, it says, in the deepest gloom. Men who were near death. People who were lost and hungry. People who are on a ship in danger of sinking. And after each one of these descriptions of these severe, severe problems and troubles and affliction, it says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distress. Four times it repeats this. And then the psalm ends with this verse. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. In other words, if if you're wise, you will consider that the Lord delivers those who cry out to Him. I'm confident that if you will read your Bible, you will have courage to ask God to deliver you. It's, it's as I read through the Psalms, I read through different places, that I find the courage to ask God uh, to deliver me. So, and one of my favorites, Psalm 50, verse 15, Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. Psalm fifty-five, seventeen. But I call to the Lord, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in my distress, and he hears my voice. Psalm 118.5 In my distress I called to the Lord and the Lord answered me and set me free. James says if anyone is in trouble he should pray. Number five, though or through prayer, through prayer express your total trust in God in the midst of trouble even if you don't see the Lord remove it. Through prayer, use prayer to express your total confidence, your total trust in in God. Lord, I am in your hands. I am in your hands. My times, as David said, are in your hands. And we, we acknowledge that. Lord, I am yours and I am in your hands. There are times that we must trust God through a season of trouble or through things that we just don't understand or that don't make sense. And we have to just, just, just with naked faith, hold on to God. And we do that through prayer. We cling to God through the avenue of prayer. There are times to pray, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. There, there are times where we want one thing, and yet it becomes clear that we must drink the cup that God has given us to drink. It's it's not what we wanted, but we resign ourselves to it with complete trust in God. And I know some of you have been through experiences like that with God. 
And how do you handle things that you, that you don't understand? Things that are just uh, uh, so hard. Things that you, that you absolutely did not want. Um, the answer is prayer. You cling to God through prayer. Totally entrust yourself to God just as Jesus did. You know, Jesus did drink the cup and, and, you, and, and you, may, you may too. Uh, but he did go to the cross. But the Father did not abandon him to the grave. And he will not abandon you either. If it seems like, if, if it seems like you're dying, God will raise you up. Uh, if it seems like um, everything went wrong, and, and there, if it seems like there is, uh, everything's just ending in the darkest night, God will bring you through to the light of day. And then the last thing that I just want to say about praying in trouble is that we should pray about all things and at all times with thanksgiving and you will have peace even in your problems and suffering. Uh, prayer, true prayer, and I'm talking about I'm not talking about just when you kind of recite your problems to the wall, you know, you just kind of you just kind of worry out loud. I'm not talking about that kind of prayer, okay? I'm talking about prayer when you go to the living God and you say, God, I am coming to you, the living God who hears and answers prayer. I am coming to you and I am thankful for all of your blessings and all of your work in my life, but I am suffering, I am hurting, I am in pain, and you bring that to Him. If you, if you come to the living God with real prayer and with, an, and with an attitude of thanksgiving, the Bible promises that we will have peace instead of worry. And true prayer guards your emotions from worry and fear and despair, even in your suffering. Um, so when you're down, uh, you, you, you find relief from your worries and your fears and your despair and your discouragement through, through prayer. Alright, then, uh, if things are going well... Sing praise. The NIV says, is, is anyone happy? Let him sing praises. The ESV, is anyone cheerful? The old King James, is anyone merry? I, I kind of like that merriment one, even out of the King James. You know, but the bottom line, hey, if things are going well, if you have any measure of happiness within your heart, then let go, let loose and sing praises to the Lord. Do what Psalms 100 says to do. Shout joyfully to the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. You know, just like with trouble, there's a lot of things you can do. There's a lot of things you can do when you're happy. Uh, I mean, you, you could throw a party um, and, you know, have a celebration. Uh, you can take photos about, uh, with, all, with your big smiles and whatever's made you happy and put them on Facebook. Uh, you can go grab a Coke and a bag of chips, maybe a big bowl of ice cream. And, and I think you can do all of those things and celebrate before the Lord. I really do. But if you do those things without turning to God in praise and thanksgiving and, and singing for joy, then you have not done what God has asked us or told us to do when you are happy. When you're happy, 
you are to praise. You are to sing praises. And again, uh, I think some of the translations say, let him sing praises. The New American Standard says, he is to sing praises. If you're happy, if anyone is happy, that person is to sing praises. He should sing praises, another translation says. You should sing praises when you're cheerful because it acknowledges God as the source of your well-being, the source of your prosperity and good circumstances, the source of your happiness. And, you know, if you're cheerful, man, that, that's one of the greatest blessings from God. You know, a cheerful heart, man, is a, is a wonderful blessing. And if you're cheerful, you, you can just praise God just for the fact that you're cheerful. You know, it's, it's a huge thing to, to, uh, to have that. And, and this uh, old, old uh, commentator, Alfred Plummer, that I've quoted, quoted before, from the, from the mid-1800s, he said, he said and, and listen, listen to this, this is so good. He who is cheerful has a priceless gift, which is a blessing to himself and to all around him, a gift which makes life brighter to the whole circle in which he moves. Isn't that true? It's a huge blessing. And then he, goes, then he goes on to say this, most of us take far too little pains to cultivate Cheerfulness. Far too little pains to cultivate cheerfulness, to retain cheerfulness when it has been granted to us, or to regain it when we have lost it or thrown it away. It's just a beautiful uh, thing about the, 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 the huge blessing of being cheerful and how, how, we, should, how, we, should be, how we should cultivate it and, and be thankful for it when we have it and work to regain it when we've lost it. You know, every blessing, every good thing, no matter how small, is an opportunity to praise God and to express joy. You know, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Forget none of His benefits, who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, crowns you, with love and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things. I mean, there's just so many things. If we open our eyes, there's so many things to be cheerful about if we will open our eyes and not forget His benefits. And then if we don't forget His benefits, if we remember Him, we should bless the Lord, oh my soul, all my inmost being, sing praises to Him. You know, the New Testament picture of the church is, is a place where people are filled with the Spirit and just ready to burst into singing at any time. You know, it's at Ephesians 5, 19, 19, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Uh, Colossians also has a, 3 has a very similar description. That You know, when we're in church together, it's just like, man, we're so filled with cheer that we are, we're, we're singing to one another. I, I know, I'd, I'd love to see that happen. I don't know if we just... You know, after church, wouldn't that be something if we just all went up and we're, we're so, so full of the Spirit, so bubbling over that we were actually were just singing out phrases and things to, to one another. Uh, I, I, I know that's going to happen in heaven. Maybe it'll happen here more so. But sing by yourself, sing in church, sing and make melody in your heart. My favorite time to sing is when I'm vacuuming on Thursday afternoon after all the grandkids have left. I vacuum the house. I vacuum the entire house top to bottom. I plug in my, uh, my whatever you call them, earphones. 
And uh, I know Cindy hears me saying, and I know it sounds terrible. Yeah, it sounds terrible, I'm sure, because you know, I'm singing along with the music. But, you know, I love to do that. And you know what? I, I know some people might not understand this, but I believe you can even actually sing and praise God even to some secular music. I mean, you just happy, cheerful music, and you just sing it as even unto the Lord. Doesn't even have, I mean, it should, I love the worship and praise songs, but, you know, just, you can just, you can just be worshiping the Lord with any good, good music. And we need, we need to, uh, to express, um, our, our, our joy before the Lord with, with joyful singing. And there, I, I, I believe it with all my heart that, that there is a place in our lives uh, to, uh, to sing and shout and dance before the Lord. And, you know, and if you need help with that, again, I would highly recommend the book of, book of Psalms. Um, make, make the book of Psalms a regular part of your life. I can't tell you the number of times I've turned there and it says, sing and make music to the Lord or shout for joy, sing to the God of our salvation, and, and it just is like a rebuke to your, to your soul, and, and you allow it to correct you and, and get you back into a mode of seeing the goodness of God in your life and singing praises to Him. C.S. Lewis said, the most valuable thing the Psalms do for me is to express the same delight in God which made David dance. In other words, he he said, that's, that's what Psalms does for me. The main thing, he said, the most valuable thing that Psalms does for me, it helps me to express that same delight in God that we see that David had, that actually, which even made him to dance. So, this morning what I want you to take home is very simple. Turn to God. Draw near to God in all the drama of your life. Life has drama. Turn to God in it. Live with God and in God so completely that you are always connected to God, either by praying or praising. It's just, it's just like you get this feeling that it's either praying or praise, just continuously through a life. And you, you, then you walk with God, connected to Him in that way. And it's, it's, it's the way that God wants us to live. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for uh, just... A couple of very short verses in James, but your word is so powerful. Your word is so powerful and has so much in it, Lord. Uh, we thank you for the message you have for us today uh, through, through James. Lord, I pray that, that the power of your spirit would uh, apply, seal these truths in our heart, cause us to recall these things, to think on these things, to respond, to respond in how we need to respond to this message today. May your spirit uh, pierce our hearts, work in us that which needs to be worked in us through this message. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.